I, I wish I was joking. I actually was walking through my neighborhood one time, and I thought there were just like these two really fat cats just chasing each other. And I was just like, no, cats don't have tiny hands. That's the weirdest thing. <laughs> Those weird little hands. Those are, it's like they they have like little opposable thumbs. Like that's how they get into stuff. It's so it's so weird. But you know that's that's the majesty of nature. I you know. know? <laughs> and Park Slope fucking um, raccoons. I can I only assume that they're starting their own farm to table restaurants. Most likely. Most yeah. likely. <laughs> They're starting their own like bicycling uh, league. <laughs> oh, totally. The park. Totally. It's like no, we don't. We don't do city bike. We we do our own thing. We have our artisan bikes, and <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So in order to be a part of the club, it's just a low fee of like seven hundred dollars a month, and uh, because that's how everybody in Park Slope sounds. No, except really. except me. Except, except you, me. Yeah. Of because you know I was part of old Park Slope. No. Okay. You know? So one, there were still Latinos aplenty. Now we're we're very, we're, we're a rare breed. We're a rare breed in the neighborhood. But. Well, that's a great way to set the tone. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> boys and girls of all ages, welcome. Welcome to the initial to the initial episode. Uh, my name is Ernesto Mancibo. My name is Pablo Morali Martinez, and together we are Robots, Robots versus Taxes. taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, now we can officially say it's Radio Free Brooklyn presents. That's right. That's right. The good people at Radio Free Brooklyn uh, have taken us on, and we really, really appreciate them. Um, this show uh, mainly focuses on uh, the happenings of the day, uh, politics, uh, Essentially, anything affecting uh, humanity, um, as well as uh, our love of pop culture, comic culture, and um, the intersectionality between them uh, that at least we see in our own minds. So, and we're going to share it with you. So, come along for the ride. Yeah. That makes it sound so creepy. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? It's just like, yeah, why don't you come in? We have candy. <laughs> come on. Come on. We got ice cream. There's ice cream on our side. It's like, don't mind the black curtains, you know? <laughs> and now your training begins. <laughs> oh, so. Yeah. So there's never a shortage of like shit show happenings in the world that we live in right now. Oh man. Every single one of us. You know, I really wanted our like our first show to be to revolve around something that was something that didn't have to do with Trump. Mhm. Mhm. But the guy is just a goddamn like he just he's a news printing machine i mean he just like he refuses to like let uh the news not be about him for one goddamn week yeah it, well i i mean that's that's saying a lot about the guy i mean when you talk about any president um of the united states uh they're going to be in the news essentially every single week no matter what they do it, that goes for any president but this guy, for some reason, 
doesn't realize that that's built into the job. So he puts out reality show style drama in order to have it circle back to him. You know, it's it's uh, it's a really to use uh, one of his phrases. It's a really sad thing. Um, and it's and it feels it feels like a distraction most of the time because we're talking about a 70 year old man, if not older, who's on Twitter. Right. Uh, putting out 140 characters that disturbs everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, just just today, can we just talk about the whole Comey, like the the fact that he he told Comey you fight? Yeah, totally, totally. I think um, we have to. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the like the first thing that sprung to mind was like, what the fuck is going on here? It like I I feel like I've talked with you before about like it feeling like uh like House of Cards mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it's just you know now it just feels like he's he senses that you know the the investigations are getting too close I have to do something <laughs> drastic um and uh you know uh, the thing that 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 I I think that piques my my suspicions about what's going on is the fact that uh, Jeff Sessions was involved in the firing of because in the letter to Comey in the termination letter mm-hmm. that basically mm-hmm. said you know get the fuck out <laughs> your job is services are no longer required Jeff Sessions said so oh. Jeff Sessions I mean his, his title was uh, referred to Jeff Sessions uh, title was referred to in the termination letter. So that means that uh, the man, Jeff Sessions, who recused himself of any, of, of being, of playing any part in the Russian investigations, um, was involved in the firing of someone who was leading the Russian investigations. It's like, what the fuck does that, What what's going on? I mean, like, now let's let's speculate wildly about oh, what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the thing about speculating about this administration is that no matter how wild we get, the reality is probably wilder. Um, I mean, he, we find ourselves in this position where the president of the United States is being investigated by the FBI for any possible collusion uh, with the Russians during the election process back in 2016. How wild is that? Any other any other decade that would have been automatic like uh, informal disqualification from the presidential yeah. race. I mean, we've had we've had candidates lose their um candidacy for far less. Uh but somehow this guy slithered his way through the process. Um, I'm not going to say it's com- it was completely because of his um, uh, slimy prowess. I have I have no better um, uh, no, term I mean, other than that. Like slimy prowess, it's, it's like the tanning solution. You're thinking of the tanning solution. <laughs> it's the tanning solution. There's there. It's he's just the right shade of orange. Yeah. To to distract all of us. But what what it really is is that um. The the American public became somewhat apathetic um, because both candidates weren't really that well liked. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, 
my personal position is that Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton was far more qualified. I had my issues with her, but um, I ultimately ended up voting for her because I felt um, even though she had uh, major flaws, um, I still felt that she was um, good for the job and she was an entity that could be worked with, negotiated with, you know, there is no, there's never going to be a president that a hundred percent of the people feel they, uh, that hundred percent of the people will like, um, all the time. You know, it's, it's just, it's just one of those things It's part of human nature, you know? Um, but I at least felt that she knew the process. She knew that, okay, at some point I'm going to have to sit down at the table with people who I've either never listened to or, I just pandered to, um, and I'm going to have to take them seriously because they have a voice out there. This guy has absolutely no stake in the process, in governing, or even in the future, honestly. Well, he has stakes. They're not good. But like, I stand uh, corrected. Right. I stand corrected. That's true. Sorry. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, he doesn't have, like... I I I see what you're saying. It's just that he we we elected a, a basically a shady businessman. So that's yep. what we're dealing with now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like there are a lot of there are a lot of Democrats that are, are swing voters actually uh, that voted for Trump because of the of Comey coming out and saying that her emails, her emails, her emails. You know, there's some damning evidence in there, uh, of which, uh, you know, you ask anyone what was in those email, emails, no one cares. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain no oh, one cares. Absolutely. And also, like, you know, uh, people are just like, well, Hillary would have done the same thing. Hillary would have just like gone to war with the uh, Syria, blah blah blah. I mean, yeah, I mean, Hillary, ha- Hillary Clinton has had a reputation for being hawkish. Like, uh, she's more centrist uh, than she is, you know, a left-leaning Bernie Sanders-esque, you know, Democrat Mm -hmm. or socialist Democrat, I should say. Uh, But, I mean, uh, what I do know about Hillary Clinton is that, I mean, she's not – she doesn't associate herself with, like, Indiana Jones-style villains (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, let's just say it. It's let's just say what it is. It's the Nazis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Somehow, somehow, Nazis have invaded. Nazis and racists have invaded the White House, and um, you know, it's it's fucking, you know, uh, for better lack of a word, bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. I regret using that word. But you, you hit it right on the I head. Hate, I hate that word. But it is bonkers. Yeah. It's bananas. It's all those words. It's all those it's all those comic book, you know, action bubbles, you know. It's it's all of that. Um well, action bubbles from the sixties if I if I'm being quite honest. But it's quackers. It's quackers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, Nazis are definitely uh in the White House and um it's it really highlights uh, the point at which the uh, American psyche uh, has reached where we distract ourselves enough and change the language enough so that denial 
can become an option for certain segments of the population. Right. I mean, you, you, you've got these, everybody who's been appointed to this particular cabinet has some sort of shady past or has, has uh, statements on file yeah. about the departments that uh, they've advocated for the dismantling of that they are now the heads of. It's right. it's the most backward, insane thing that I've seen out of the political process um, so far, you know, in my life. Yeah. Uh, it was just weird that, like, I remember, like, a while ago we spoke about um, you saying that a lot of members of uh, Trump's cabinet somehow took a, you know, a lost weekend vacation. <laughs> Off to uh, meet with, uh, you know, go go to like a Russian Disneyland or something yeah. like that. It was, <laughs> it was, <laughs> Putin land, haha, <laughs> in Russia, <laughs> mouse eat you. But <laughs> it's, uh, but there's something like uh, it was in the first few weeks of the administration. It just came out that like, oh. So and so may have had a conversation, or so and so did have a conversation uh, with the Russians that he shouldn't have had. It's like all this like inappropriate behavior uh, during the election pro- process just came out afterward magically somehow. Um, and I think it all ties back to Comey. I think that you know he, the guy was the head of the FBI. Right. He has access to information that we. That we would be killed on the spot if we ever even saw a glimpse of. And you're telling me that he didn't know any of this stuff before the election? Like, he must have known something, kind of looked the other way. And um, some people were trying were trying to say that, you know, Comey is, is at, at his core, he's a straight shooter because... He um, he was appointed during the Obama administration, and you know he he's had um, interactions with I don't know one or two of the previous administrations. So he's got a long history of service to this country. But like any human being, you know, he has leanings toward one way, and I think he got caught up in that whole uh, Trump whirlwind, and he wanted to see. He wanted to see that prevail, though he couldn't publicly come out in that sense. And then after this guy got in power, he realized that there was still there was too much of a mountain of evidence that had to be addressed. And I think that the Trump administration knows that and at some point realized, OK, this guy has no choice but to do his job. And if he does his job, something's going to come out. So I think that's why he was fired. I, th- I think you know. You know, I I have my a very similar theory mm-hmm. uh, to that, um, but I think that um, you know, much like Chuck Schumer uh, basically said in a press conference earlier this week. By the um, way, can I just say that Chuck Schumer shows up to everything? <laughs> I got admire. Look. He's another guy that I have a few issues with, but I got to say, I got to give him this. Whenever something happens, anything happens, Chuck Schumer is there. Yeah, He's there. There's a podium. He has a microphone. He has his reading glasses, and he is ready with a statement anytime. 
I think he'll have a statement about this show at one point. It's like I hope so. Yeah, yeah. So if you're listening, Chuck Schumer, you're welcome. You're welcome on our show anytime. Yeah, once we get a third mic, yeah. we'll uh, <laughs> we'll tweet you. Yeah, we'll tweet you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry, you were saying. Um. Yeah, Chuck Schumer had said in a press conference that press conference. Blah, um, that uh, um, that basically uh, this was the president's big mistake, mm-hmm. and I'm inclined to agree with him uh, because uh, I feel like what what Trump did was that he uh, he senses that the I, I feel like he senses that the the walls are starting to close in on him. And I thought that he saw his out with firing Comey. Mm-hmm. And, man, and also, I'm, I'm, this is a person that, uh, our president is a person that feeds off of feeling powerful. Oh, yeah. So uh, the fact that he uh, delivered a strongly worded, like, you fired, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a very, like, you know, in a very presidential way. Um, he fired the, the, the director of the FBI. Um I think that that made him feel powerful. I think that that made him feel like he had an exit. Mm-hmm. But what it does is all it does is it just raises a lot of suspicion. And Chuck Schumer has and the Democrats are basically calling on on uh, maybe perhaps getting a special prosecutor for this whole situation to in, to to head up head the investigations. The, the the Russian collusion investigation, which they absolutely should. I yeah, mean, you can't should. if you can fire if you can fire the guy who's investigating you or your team. That doesn't make for a very effective investigation. Like there has to be a prosecutor in place who's just like who's essentially going to be um, untouchable for this particular purpose. Mm-hmm. And so, so that they can work freely and honestly and and dig up whatever evidence that they need. Um, will that actually happen? I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I think that when William Adama tried to fire <laughs> the special prosecutor on the battle on the good ship Battlestar Galactica, it didn't go well for him oh, God. or President Rosman. But this Cheeto that we have in office, he's just... <laughs> It's like I, the, the best analogy that I've heard so far about this situation, this administration, is it's like watching a toddler play with a loaded gun. It's like, could we get out of this situation? Maybe, maybe. But more often than not, it ends in some sort of tra- tragedy. Somebody else gets hurt or the toddler gets hurt. Um, and by hurt, I mean, you know, much more severe things. I'm not talking about a boo-boo. Um, and at the end of the day, it completely changes the reality of the situation. Like in staying with the analogy, <laughs> best that we can hope for is we are scared completely out of our wits as you would be with a toddler that has a handgun. Um, and if you manage to get it away from him, you're going to change everything in the house. You're going to lock everything down to make sure this never happens again. That's the best case scenario. There is no, oh, maybe he'll be the best president ever. No, that's not going to happen. Worst case scenario, well, you know, it only gets, it only goes down from there. Yeah, I don't want to really spitball worst case scenarios. Okay, well, maybe not this podcast, but. 
<laughs> we're we're gonna we're gonna go there, but yeah. okay, let's let's keep it, you know, let's keep it sunny this one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, it's hard to keep, I mean, I mean, it's hard to like argue with the whole baby with a handgun, uh, analogy when our, our president is using, uh, Twitter, uh, to, you know, voice his opinion, especially, you know, today, earlier today, he, uh, he tweeted at Chuck Schumer, um, he called him, uh, crying Chuck Schumer. Oh, so witty. Oh, so witty. Oh, my goodness. The cleverness. The cleverness. He, is he writing all this stuff down? Like, is he... I know. His, he's got material to oh, spare. Oh, my goodness. It's like he missed his calling. He should have been... Little Marco, Crooked Hillary, just... crying Chuck Schumer. <laughs> it's like they should, all, they should all just band together and form a, a barbershop quartet. <laughs> <laughs> and now on harmonica... Crying Chuck Schumer. Oh um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, um, how childish can can one person get? Like, this is the... I, Apparently I, very. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I just feel like, I feel like leaders of the world, anyone who has uh, any kind of iota of political power should not be allowed to be on Twitter. Yeah. Like, they should not be allowed... To to uh, to have to be on social media like they should have you know people in charge of like representing them on social media but just not not Twitter because like that gives you that that makes these leaders uh, like on a whim they could tweet out something that could, I hurt that a hurt them in the long run mm-hmm. because it's like childish and b. Um, no, dude, it's just a. It'll just it just com- <laughs> it just comes off childish and and and, and just silly, because it's just like why would they be, why would they be using the same medium that like you know fourteen year olds use to to badmouth a teacher that they disagree with just because they got extra fucking homework, <laughs> you know? This this isn't this isn't the medium of like presidents or yeah. like world leaders this is fucking kid shit i don't know yeah no it's 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 completely preposterous i mean you <laughs> inconceivable it's i'm he the things that he says on twitter it what's the best way to put it sad it's sad <laughs> it's sad but it's also it's also like why i don't think he wants to be taken seriously he I, he thinks i think he wants to be taken very seriously he he thinks he wants to be taken seriously but i don't deep down inside he he thinks that actions have no real consequences i mean you put a, you you say immature things like this on twitter and then what he's in a room with somebody else that's with that person at some point because they're all in the same political theater and it's just going to be like what uh water under the bridge or something like that it's like people are going to read these things you're not preparing your statements you're just you're you're operating off of the id (laughs) part of your personality and it, it just it makes you look 
it makes you look like you're only capable of knee-jerk reactions, which is a very, again, it's a very scary thing. It's yeah, a, for that, the guy who has nuclear codes, it's like yeah, it's, it's knee-jerk reactions are not exactly the thing that you want to have in a president. You want somebody to be thoughtful, who has a team of advisors, who he listens to, right? And you know, I, like, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that uh, his. Um, his social media and uh, publicity handlers um, at the White House, if those are official titles or not, but, you know, the people in charge of that stuff are stressed the hell out because he doesn't listen to them. He no. is literally picking up, picking up his phone and just typing the stuff out that's going to be heard all over the world. I mean, if there's any part of the job that he likes... It has to be that because from the very beginning, since before um, uh, he was elected, he was tweeting the stuff out and just gaining followers. And he knew he he knew and he, he still knows on many levels that whatever he says is going to reverberate around the world, no matter how stupid, how, how no matter how inane it's. And he's he's kind of drunk off of that, which is a horrible thing to be as somebody who's occupying the office of the president of the United States. Right. And I and I and I want to go on record as, as saying it specifically like that. Somebody who is occupying the office of the president of the United States. There is nothing about him, as far as I'm concerned, that says leader or president or responsible, or or functional. I got an alert saying that the State Department website is like pimping some of uh, Trump's uh, business businesses, whatever. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, as well as his daughter's business as well. It's like you're not supposed to you're not supposed to be able to do that while you're in office. It's like there there are reasons for that. It's not it's not just to you know keep you from making money it's like that can compromise your decision uh your decision making the policies that you set um especially when you're dealing with other nations you know i mean since business is a global especially at that level it's a it's a global enterprise you know you don't want uh somebody with that much power being coerced because you know they could have uh, lower taxes in another country or access to certain resources and things along those lines, you know, personal access. I'm not talking about national access. And the fact that he's going over, like the fact that like he's canceling so many of Obama's uh, past projects, Mm -hmm. um, just, it feels like it reinforces my idea that, um, that this, this is basically a a presidency founded on uh, vengeance, Mm -hmm. you know, because ever uh, people say, that Trump's whole uh, aspirations to to become president uh, started when Obama roasted him at the uh, White House correspondence <laughs> dinner, um, and uh, you know the fact that um, uh, Trump uh, literally canceled a program called um, "Let Girls Learn" that mm. was started by Michelle Obama. Mm. I mean, it just. She goes to show the. Uh, it just I it just reinforces my feelings that he's just he's motivated by smiting those who've slighted him. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I feel like... I feel like we're just going to keep encountering this kind of behavior um, as as we complete our four years with this this person. We might be stuck with him for the for the four years, you know, if the um, if he makes it that long, <laughs> if he makes it that long, if the apocalypse isn't triggered. Um, sorry, you know, I just have to go there sometimes, but I think that we could definitely minimize the damage if we um do our due diligence and in november of 2018 we vote a lot of those um republicans who have been supporting him out of office so we can get the majority in the house and the senate and essentially put some real checks and balances back into the government you know um is there still going to be partisan fighting of course there is but that's ju- that's just the atmosphere now. But r- this presidency is essentially a gaping wound, mm. and we need to do something to minimize it as much as possible until we can get to the hospital, which is 2020. That will be <laughs> that will be the that will be getting to the hospital, getting somebody else. In Isn't there. that the year we make contact? No, that was 2010. Ah, oh, so you know and. Arthur C. Clarke is rolling in his grave. Is he dead? Yes, yes, Arthur C. Clarke. Thank God. Why are you saying thank God that Arthur C. Clarke? My goodness. No, no, no. I mean, I didn't want to to say that if he was alive. My apologies (laughs) to the Clarke family, um, who I'm sure is listening to this. They're in space. But. (laughs) (laughs) God. My, let's stop, let's stop, you know. You can forward any complaints to Pablo Martinez. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> can't, you can't do that to me. <laughs> I do that to you. <laughs> All right. Speaking of space, we saw a space movie. <laughs> yeah, space movie. Uh, let's just rub the ointment of pop culture over our, over our gaping burn. Pop culture <laughs> makes it all better, you know. Yeah. We we I, we had a conversation about this a while ago. It's like we we are thoroughly ensconced in the world, and we don't run away from uh, reality. However, um, everybody has some point of wellness that you need to engage in. You that you need to engage in in order to uh, mitigate the stress out of your life, at least temporarily, so and you don't go insane and collapse under the weight of it. Yeah. And for us, it's definitely pop culture yeah so yeah we're we're about to um go into that segment now um just once again uh just like to say that you're listening to robots, robots versus, versus taxes. taxes on radio free brooklyn oh yeah yeah all right so somebody finally gave us a show yeah it's like, <laughs> you fools <laughs> Hostile to our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, Guardians so, of the Galaxy, Volume Two. Yeah, Volume Two. If you haven't seen, I mean, if you're listening to us, I'm sure that you've seen the first one. But if you haven't seen the first one, do yourself a favor. It is a fun movie. Um, if you happen to be intimidated that you know you you're not like a Marvel comic fan or you haven't watched the previous Marvel movies, don't worry. It's it's actually a movie that stands on its own 
really, really well. Yeah. Um, and will also give you inroads into other parts of the Marvel Universe. But in and of itself, these movies are just really, really great. And Volume 2 definitely didn't disappoint. Yeah. Um, if we could just go through certain parts of the movie which really um, made impressions on us. Um, just starting from the beginning, the... Spoilers, people. Spoiler. Oh, yeah, spoilers. If uh, if you haven't seen the movie, pause this podcast. Go see it right now. Like, right now. Yeah. And then come back and unpause it, okay? That Drop way, that baby. Yeah. And just go out and see it. <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, so, right from the beginning, there is this scene where uh, Kurt Russell has been CGI'd back to his former glory. Yeah. And it's freaking, it's so freaky, the the level that it's gotten to now. It's like, you're you're literally like looking into the past in the future. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was weird. It, like, it started off with Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War. Oh, yeah. Um, and now it's just gotten, like, that was, the CGI was kind of seamless. Yes. If only they could have done that with Grand Moff Tarkin. In fucking Rogue One, instead of getting you know, what whatever that CGI monstrosity was. Oh wait, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm just like, how can I forget? Like Peter Cushing is dead. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. Leave, leave, leave. Sorry, stop. Be- I keep referencing people who are dead. Stop beating up on the deceased. My goodness, but um. I this is where I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I you could definitely tell that the uh, CGI Tarkin was was fake essentially, yeah. but um to be fair, the original Tarkin looked pretty CGI even for his day. <laughs> um he had he had quite this he had quite the severe face which made which made it work on screen. It's just like, oh, obviously that's a bad guy, you know. Peter Cushing was all angles. Yeah, he was. I I think he was born with that face, yeah. you know. That must have been a hard delivery. Yeah, sharp. Like, I, sharp. It's cutting me. <laughs> you know. So, but um, David Cronenberg presents but, oh, Peter Cushing's birth. Oh. <laughs> but but I did I I thought it was effective okay. for for that movie Rogue One, but. But the CGI in Civil War for Robert Downey Jr. and in Guardians of the Galaxy for Kurt Russell was is really like next level. Yeah, next level. It's, it it basically opens up the um, the medium to like movies that are that would have been impossible even ten years ago. Um, personally, me, I, I'm hoping for another Bruce Lee film. I wouldn't go that far. I am going that far. All right. And <laughs> there's nothing anybody can do to stop me. That's true. <laughs> so anyway, um what was uh what was the next part what, what was the next part of the film that uh Hold on before we get into that. Let's mm-hmm. let's go back to the to CGI deagifying. Okay. Uh just because I wanted to reference the fact that we're miles ahead from where we were uh, from X Men Last Stand oh. with uh, Patrick Stewart. Oh man! And, uh, yeah, yeah. 
because he looked like a fucking Muppet in that movie. That was, it was weird. Yeah, it, it was, was really weird looking. It was for those of you familiar with uh, Photoshop. It was essentially just like a localized Gaussian blur on his face. You know, it was. Wow, you're breaking out like what is that? An obscure art fre- reference? It's 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 a function in Photoshop oh, okay. for 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 blurring, and um, it was, you know, for the time, it was something. Yeah, you know. But something awful. It was yeah, something it was hard awful. to look at. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, I, I mean, I can only imagine the direction on set because they were anytime you saw their face, it's not like they were moving much no. or naturally. It's like they got them to sit still and they're like, OK, say your lines, but don't move much. OK, like don't even blink that much. OK. And uh, you could see it. So from that point to now, whoo. Poor Ian McClellan. McKellen. McClellan. McKellen. Uh, <laughs> I'm problems today speaking. Um, uh, but yeah, um, and Patrick Stewart. Poor, poor both of them. They looked so awful in that movie. But anyway, back to back to the CGI. This, we're miles ahead of, of where we were from then it's, up until now. It's good to know that progress is happening somewhere. Yes. <laughs> Take that whichever C- way you will. In the CGI realm as opposed to, you know, life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, you were saying about uh, Guardians. So I was um, I was saying that that was one of the scenes that definitely had a heavy influence on me. Um, and just really pulled me into the world that we were being exposed to. Um, in the movie um and it was just it was a really effective uh moment that got me to i mean i go into these movies with the intention to suspend my uh disbelief you know i mean that right. <laughs> you don't go in there expecting like a, a a historical epic or anything like that you know like oh that's not what they would wear or anything like that it's like it's space it's aliens <laughs> i went into civil war expecting to see the north and the south brother well, against brother fighting well in a sense you did yeah it's true you know because uh you know bucky's captain america's friend yeah and iron man said so was i <laughs> <laughs> it still tugs in my heart i gotta tell you it, it, that was hard. Fuck Captain America. <laughs> hey, 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 fuck Iron Man, all right? Hey, hey, hey. Rich playboy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Before I defriend you on our first podcast. Um, yeah, but what was, the, what was the moment uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 that uh, pulled you in? Um, I just think from the first, like, the opening scene of just baby group dancing around oh <laughs> we went to a theater where every time Groot was shown on screen fucking just waves of people just going oh <laughs> that motherfucker is cute they they must have had a, a whole separate team just focused on how cute can we make this little thing <laughs> you know it was i mean phew. shit man yeah 
Well, I'm glad we're not going too spoilerific for now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But I mean, like, I thought that was like the whole move. The CGI in 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 Guardians is ridiculously awesome. It is. Um, it is. And it 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 makes me kind of hopeful for the fact that like we're gonna we're probably gonna get more good CGI films coming in the future because if if it continues this way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're we're definitely miles ahead of of you know Deep Blue Sea era, uh, smart sharks. Um, in terms of <laughs> but, but like rocket raccoon especially just looked so dope like yeah, yeah the close up shots on him and the reaction shots from him were, were fucking cool yeah totally um, totally it's like the the what however they transferred um uh the acting from like the voice actor to that to that character cuz very often now they they will capture some movement from the from the voice actor to apply um to the CGI character to give it a sense of uh, depth you yeah. know so however that transfer happened you know thumbs up to you guys cuz that it really brought the character to life i mean it's a talking raccoon so you got to do certain things to not make it completely and utterly ridiculous while at the same time not making it too serious, you know. Yeah. I think that's what really worked for this movie. It was so over the top, um, but so well done. And it had uh, something that uh, rare that I rarely see in movies anymore, which is like, uh, especially in movies like uh, like this, where it's like superheroes and stuff, mm-hmm. where um, everyone, every character had an arc, mm-hmm. like, um, like they they all had their stories that kind of wrapped up. Uh, towards the end where it was like you know um gamora and nebula uh, eventually they came to realize that they were sisters you know and that's kind of what sister sister (laughs) (laughs) what i like that show get out of my house (laughs) (laughs) now okay so um yeah but uh um that I thought that was that was really cool. I thought that the whole story between uh, uh, Star Lord and his dad was really awesome, and they even had a they had like a a hint of what uh, what's in store for the future with uh, Drax and and the new character Mantis. So I was like mm. really, oh, I, that's the part where I was like storytelling wise. That's what sets it apart from like say as much as i like the movie like civil war or mm-hmm. you know batman versus superman um easy there i know <laughs> as we go further along you'll notice that i have a certain disdain for uh, dc um uh, entertainment so uh bear with me uh i'm still learning to love dc <sighs> But anyway, I digress. Um, I hope Wonder Woman is great. Yeah, yeah, no, I really do hope Wonder Woman is great. It's I, I'm pulling for that film. Um, the the very first trailer slash teaser um, got me amped. Um, but you know how often, and no matter what part of the spectrum you're on, uh, you've experienced this, like where the trailer is super cool it's like oh i can't wait to see that movie and then the movie turns out to be shit yeah it's it's so disappointing especially with these movies that we've been 
for those of us who've been following comic culture and pop culture for so long since our childhoods, we've been waiting for these characters to hit, to, to hit the big screen yeah. in proper treatment. And though they're getting, you know, the big budgets, they're getting the directors and certain stars. Some of these films are just not coming together. Yeah. In particular, some of the DC offerings. Right. While while fun, they're still not hitting that same oomph that we got from the original stories uh, from the comics. Well, DC is doing something pretty ballsy in terms of giving Wonder Woman her own movie, mm-hmm. you know, um, just because I feel like uh, Marvel has been notoriously gun shy over giving, you know, Black Widow her own movie or, you know, um, a host of any of the other, you know, uh, uh, female superheroes. Uh, their own movie so it's i'm thinking that it's dc better set the tone right because <laughs> i'm not i'm not, you know i don't want i don't want another fucking suicide squad on my hands you oh, know god well marvel uh, i mean marvel has definitely been slow on the um uh on the uptake when it comes down to presenting female superheroes i mean so far um like in the main Marvel arc that we're following, uh, just for the moment, excluding Guardians of the Galaxy, we have Black Widow and we have the Scarlet Witch. Yeah. And that's it. It's like the Marvel Universe is huge and filled with a lot of interesting female superheroes that yeah. need to be on screen. <clears throat> She-Hulk. She-Hulk. Um, eventually, uh, they're bringing uh, Captain Marvel to this uh, yeah. to the big screen, which should be... Really, we just saw her in Kong Skull Island, Brie Larson. Yeah, there we go. There we go. And I think that she's going to be really effective on screen. After seeing her in that movie, I was like, okay, I'm looking forward. Really, from that movie, I didn't really get I didn't really get a sense that she was like... There were times where I looked at the expressions on her face, and I was just like, that's the face that a Captain Marvel would make. Like, strong, um, not, not abandoning the feminine side of herself in order to fit in with the boys quote-unquote um just sort of like that look of authority and i think that she's got that and she's needs to break up the fucking sausage fest that's the avengers right now yeah seriously seriously with i mean we have black black widow black widow pining over you know the hulk who's off somewhere i don't know how he got to wherever uh thor is in ragnarok but that's for a future podcast and um, poor Scarlet Witch, who's who's uh, who's being stalked by a uh, a cyborg, <laughs> <laughs> a cyborg that can walk through walls. Yeah, it's just like that's talk about creepy. It's yeah, like I, I mean, know. it's a little like she probably looks. She needs her own personal space. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> And it's kind of hard to have personal space when you have someone that can basically walk through walls. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I hope Wonder Woman's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, going back to to Guardians is like that was one of the my favorite parts of of Guardians was the uh, Gamora and Nebula scenes, um, just because I feel like having a sibling. It kind of struck, you know, it kind of it hit close to home because it's like, you know, sometimes, you know, siblings get into fights and stuff and 
and we don't understand each other and it's like good to see that kind of feeling of reconciliation like um represented kind of very for for a summer blockbuster sci-fi movie see that represented um so kind of like almost tastefully you know Mm. i want to use that Mm. word yeah absolutely Um, so that was really cool. Also, the whole like uh, the f- they played a lot with the family dynamic. Like the guardians are now they mm-hmm. keep referring to each other as family. So it's really it was really cool to to see um, the connections between like Yandu and uh, Peter Quill. Yeah, and, yeah, that was really satisfying. I got to say, yeah. yeah. Uh, should we say what happens and for, or should we just? Because this is pretty light on spoilers so far. Maybe we should just leave that out. Nah, let's go in. All right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So spoilers. Yandu fucking dies. Yeah. (laughs) But he dies in such a way that it's like, if you got to go out, that's that's how you do it. You know, saving saving this kid who... (laughs) I, I got to say, though, it gets a little weird because he yeah, for, because he's a, he was an abusive father. He was an abusive father. <laughs> um, when the kid, when Peter Quill gets older, he's like, oh, essentially I was a slave that was taught how to steal. And this guy throughout my childhood threatened to eat me, you know, but it turns out that he loved me. You know, it's like it's like it wasn't it wasn't slavery. It was love, love you know. <laughs> Still, Yondu was better than my dad. Anyway, yeah. oh, oh. oh Jesus! Sorry, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I didn't mean to go. Oh, is, this isn't therapy. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Hey, where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I, I somebody's chopping onions in here. <laughs> but um, but no, the the way that was presented was uh, so well done and so heartfelt. It, it really, it really bought. Uh, something to the movie that I wasn't expecting, you know? I mean, you knew once you got the reveal that Peter Quill's dad played by, um, Kurt Russell. Uh, played by Kurt Russell was really like, was really a bastard and, uh, not looking to do right by him. You thought, okay, eventually somehow they're going to find a way to beat this yeah. and, you know, on to the next adventure. Uh, but that wrinkle really added a nice, you know, yeah nice flavor to the film marvel does real is doing really good in terms of like fitting in the emotional aspects to their films because like with logan i was like i was like wow this is kind of amazing and you know i'm not saying that guardians of the galaxy is in by any way shape or form um you know as in-depth as logan is but um you know, it just I just see like this kind of streak where they just know exactly like how to build an emotional climax. Mm, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm still a little choked up over Logan as well. Yeah. But um but yeah, Guardians definitely went there. And also in um in Marvel fashion, um, especially as we start to approach the Infinity War movies, they hit us off with another nice little uh stinger oh man that made that made and and i gotta say out of all the stingers so far um in the marvel universe in case you don't know stinger is sort of like um a post-credit reveal that starts to set up 
more of the story. You yeah. know, it's sort of like the movie has ended, some credits have rolled, but then they insert something else, like this little cut scene that gives you a little taste, a little yummy tidbit of what's to come. Yeah. So that's that's what a stinger is. And for this one, uh, there's this like race of uh, golden humanoids. Uh, yeah. And they essentially the queen is uh, growing or incubating uh, someone. someone. And this and this was probably out of all the stingers, the one that's mo- that most separated a g- the general viewing audience from from, <laughs> from the, the nerds. from the nerds <laughs> <laughs> because she's 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 presenting this thing that she's making and she's like I think I'll call him Adam <laughs> and all of us geeks in the audience were like oh my god that's so cool and everybody was like huh yeah yeah I, I just I just heard like i can almost i can already feel my wife being like you know tugging at my at my sleeve and being like who's that you know <laughs> um because uh because it, it's it is so it's such an inside kind of it's such an inside thing mm-hmm. um especially for people who for for the geeks who were really into reading the infinity war saga yeah the infinity gauntlet saga yeah um so um it's Man, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be so good. So good. So I guess uh, we should cap it there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for uh thanks for being with us on our on our first episode. Our maiden voyage. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh and uh yeah, we hope that you'll stick with us because it only gets better from here. Yeah. We've got plenty and plenty of other things to talk about and uh, present to you guys yeah hopefully this won't be our last broadcast before uh nuclear fallout envelops us all and if it is well you know we had a good run yeah <laughs> we had a we had, uh the united states had like some like 200 seasons of a good <laughs> show uh, huh i i wasn't going there i wasn't gonna say the the united states oh, okay. had. i was gonna i meant like us you know oh, okay. like right. oh yeah yeah, yeah like yeah yeah That's like what, that's what I meant. <laughs> like me and you, as well as all of us who enjoy pop culture and you know just cool stuff, you know, yeah. you know th- that whole. Other, well, and I'll also get... fighting the good fight. Fighting the good fight. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you again, Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you, Radio Free Brooklyn. Yeah. Yes, and uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you have yourself a real nice day. All right, guys. Later. Song of the Week. Song of the Week.